to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Hello, this is Adam Carswell, the host of Dream Chasers, and you're tuned in to the How Do They Do It Real Estate Podcast. If you like this show, first of all, you have phenomenal taste. Second of all, if you want to listen to another next level show like this, just click our link in the description and smash that subscribe button. It would be an honor for us to enrich your mind, body, and soul as well. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And I'm so excited to introduce today's guest, the Cashflow Ninja with you. MC Lobster is a husband, dad, entrepreneur, investor, and educator, and has a world-class podcast that has been downloaded millions of times. He's interviewed incredible guests like Robert and Kim Kiyosaki, Grant Cardone, and so many more. And he's also the author of the 21 Best Cashflow Ninjas, Niches. (laughs) So MC, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so honored for you to be here. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on your show. Looking forward to our conversation. So MC, first of all, let me ask, do you prefer MC or Cashflow Ninja? (laughs) (laughs) MC is just fine. (laughs) All right. So can you share a little bit more about your background for those people who might not be as familiar with who you are and how you got started with changing your mindset of thinking about Cashflow and what it could do for you? Absolutely. Originally from South Africa, so I live in the United States now. I came here in 2001 and you know one thing that I'll, that just struck me in the United States is I was very fortunate to have traveled quite a bit before I got here and I was just blown away about the incredible opportunity that this country has to offer. There's no place like it and I thought to myself, wow, this is just incredible. I mean, you could do whatever you want here. There's not nothing holding you back in any way shape or form. And the upward mobility is just incredible. And that's why you have so many rags to riches stories in the United States. What an incredible place. So as an immigrant here, you know, I looked at it that if you're born here, you won the lottery. I wanted to see what was possible here. I ended up in the States playing in a, a sports league, rugby, actually, till 2007. I mean, while I was doing that, you know, you know, I was reading, I was always interested in history, economics, and so forth, came across A Rich Dad, Poor Dad, written by Robert Kiyosaki. And that took me on a different path. I took action, bought my first property. Uh, this is now 2001. I collected all of the rents. I paid off all of the bills associated with the property. And at the end of the month, there was money left over. And this is a huge, like, light bulb moment for me. I'm like, Wow. This is incredible. Just like in the book, how many times can I do this? And then, of course, as any real estate investor would tell you, school started because there are things that can happen to a real estate investor, such as tenants not paying rent, tenants damaging properties, all that kind of stuff. It was a great learning experience. And then uh, through my journey, I also learned uh, that you could do bigger things together with some of the cash flow ninjas out there rather than being the rugged individualist. And I learned that the hard way too. I was trying to uh, I was trying to go after an investor that owned a portfolio of properties. And I was working for my friend. I started right at the bottom working for him in multifamily because my first property was a single family. And I wanted to learn the multifamily game. 
And he said, well, if you want to learn it, I'll be happy to have you come and work with us and, and you can learn by doing. So I literally started picking up trash on the apartment buildings that, that he owned. Eventually, did property management, uh, eventually was part of the acquisition team. And I was going off to this investor with a portfolio of, of four properties. Chased him around for months. I came in early one, uh, one day into the office at like 7 a.m. And that same investor walked out of our broker's office, which was my, my friend's partner, just sold his entire portfolio. And I said, whoa, wait a second here. I'm a young guy, energized. What's the lesson here? What just happened? And then I realized there was a game being played at a different level by Cashflow Ninjas, and that's what I called them. Uh, there was a game being played at a different level, a higher level, so I could relate it to sports where there's different types of levels. And when you play at the highest level, you want to be a part of a team. And these folks were the people to know on that side of the city, their own building. So if you were going to sell or think of selling, you would talk to them. They would either buy your property, flip it to an investor that uh, they know want that as part of their portfolio, or they would just buy and hold it. These are cash flow ninjas. And I thought to myself, man, I can't compete with these guys as a weekend warrior. Like, what do I got to do? Some kid from South Africa, you know, that just ended up here. And then the next question that I asked myself is, well, if you can't beat them, join them. How do I get to invest with Cashflow Ninjas and do business with Cashflow Ninjas in the best deals? So that was a big part of my story too. Came across a cashflow banking strategy in the process, which I implemented and executed. And today, I started my podcast, Cashflow Ninja, back in 2015, 2016. So it's been almost six years. We've been downloaded millions of times in over 180 countries. Never thought it would grow into what it has grown into. We've got a great community there, tools, resources, programs, books. Uh, and then I've got two other companies. Producers Wealth is a virtual wealth creation firm where we help folks implement and execute the cash flow banking, infinite banking strategy in, in all 50 states. I started that virtual in 2015. It was a different world than it was now. People are like, what are you guys doing online? You know, how do you do this? Now everybody does it. And then we also have a company called Producers Capital Partners, where we invest in a ton of multifamily and resorts and so forth with cash flow ninjas. So when you say cash flow ninjas, what does that really mean to you versus the people who are working a normal W-2 job or something like that? What's the difference between a normal working income producing job versus cash flow ninjas? Yeah. So the cash flow ninjas are, we all have a unique ability. We all have something that we're good at and we do it in different capacities. So when I refer to the cash flow ninjas, it's just operators and folks that are operating in cash flow niches, such as real estate, whether it be single family, multifamily, mobile home park, cell storage, and so forth that are playing at the highest level in that game, in the cash flow creation game. So that's actually, and it's a great question. We have a framework that we teach. I've been very fortunate and blessed to have interviewed the best minds of business investing now for six years. We have over 820 episodes. And the same framework comes up with all of them. We all have a unique ability in which we generate and create and produce value to this planet, right? Whether it be in your community, whether it be in your state, whether it be nationally, internationally, all of a way of doing that. 
We do it in different capacities. It's either active, we work for it. So it's a W-2 or a 1099. It could be passive or leveraged, or it could, you know, or it could be both. It's not the one is better than the other one. Obviously, for many reasons, you want more passive for, of course, the game of money than active, because it's better from a tax standpoint. But there's a lot of folks that have passive income and active income. I still have some active income and I still have passive income. I have both. So that's the first cornerstone. And then, and pillar, the second one is then cash capture. Where do you put the money? So we all make money somehow, whether it's in the capacity of an employee, W-2, or a contractor, 1099, or a business owner, or investor. Now we've got to put the money somewhere. And that's very important of exactly where to put it to be as efficient as possible from a cash flow management standpoint. Because we all think about creating cash flow. We all think about making cash flow from investments, but the management is kind of a loss. And that's actually where there's a lot of uh, just diamonds in the rough. Um, and you can free up a lot of your cash flow just by doing that efficiently and effectively. And then there's cash flow creation which is the third one, now deploying that capital into things that makes you more money and reduces your taxes, such as real estate and energy and so forth. And then there's entire thing that just brings it all home. The fourth pillar is where you protect everything that you've built. So what you produce and create, where you position it, and then where you deploy it into more assets. And essentially, that's cash control is what I call it. But that's tax strategy, that's estate planning, that's proper asset protection, and so forth. But that's the difference. The cash flow ninjas are just ninjas in their niches as operators. And then we all make money somehow. It's great when someone can focus on what they're doing, generate as much money as they can in their business or in their their capacity as an employee. And then they can position that capital into investments with other cash flow ninjas and invest in those deals that are so hard to find, which I figured out 20 years ago. So you started several years ago and you've been able to interview the best of the best in this space. And they've had so many great strategies that they've shared with you and your audience as well. So back when you first started to today in today's market, has any of those strategies that you've learned, has that shifted at all? And has there been any new ones that have come across that you've seen that has been up and coming? Yeah, that's a great question. And a lot has stayed the same. It's the tactics that have changed quite a bit. So obviously, you know, we all have the ability to invest in real estate, businesses, paper assets, commodities, and then now crypto, which has changed the tactics quite a bit the crypto and blockchain. So the same kind of strategy, and I'll share one with you that's so powerful. It's a strategy of collateralization. So what I mean by making your money, cash creation, positioning your capital, cash capture, and deploying it, cash flow creation, there's a cash flow management strategy, which is called collateralization, which is pretty powerful stuff. So what it is essentially is using one asset to acquire another asset without selling the first asset. So business owners know they would relate to that and say, yeah, I have a business. I could go down to the bank and place my receivables and the assets of the business as collateral for a business loan or a line of credit from the bank. And then I can use that line of credit from the bank or the business loan. And I can, let's just say, buy the real estate from which the business operates. We had someone that did that in our network, by the way. 
So place the assets of the business and the receivables as collateral. They got a loan, bought the real estate. So now they have the business and the real estate and they didn't have to sell the business. Real estate investors know this too. So when you buy, let's just say, a single family property and there's equity in the property, you could get a HELOC, homework equity line of credit, or you could cash out refi, which just means that you refinance the property to get the equity without selling it. And now you freed up the capital to buy another one and you didn't have to sell the original one. You could do the same thing with gold, silver, and art, which I've done. You could do the same thing with, you could do the same thing with cryptocurrencies. You could do the same thing with life insurance, for example, which I do. Yeah, the strategy of collateralization is so powerful. And what that essentially is, is using one asset to acquire another asset. So business owners know it. Business owners, for example, have used their receivables and their assets of their business to get a loan or a line of credit. And what you can do, what someone did in our network, is they used a loan, which they got by placing the receivables or the assets of the business as collateral for this loan. They bought the real estate from which the company operated. So they took their business to buy this property without selling their business. You could do the same thing with real estate, where you have a property that has some equity in it. You either cash out, refi it, or you have a HELOC. And now all of a sudden, you can buy another property without selling the first one. You could do the same thing with stocks. Elon Musk, by the way, does this all the time, and he gets he gets a lot of uh, he gets a lot of uh, flack for this from a lot of folks. But Elon, for example, this was last year before he sold some shares. He borrowed against $500 million worth of Tesla shares and got a loan to then invest in his other businesses like Neuralink and, and so forth. So he collateralized his stock portfolio. You could do the same thing with gold and silver and art, which I've done. You could do the same thing with life insurance, which is my favorite strategy, especially the whole life part. And then with crypto, now you can through a decentralized or centralized lending platform, use your Bitcoin, put it on there and get a loan of about 50% of the value of your Bitcoin. So you you could use your Bitcoin and buy, let's just say real estate, for example, without selling your Bitcoin. So that strategy is like at the core where you position capital. And I think that's one of it, that hasn't changed, but the tactics, of course, you know, when I first started 20 years ago, there was no Bitcoin. Uh, There wasn't a lot of this available to uh, most investors. It was reserved for a very small group of folks through uh, that had relationships with very powerful banks like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and, you know, the usual suspects. So there in your book, you talk about the 21 different cash flow niches. And if someone is looking to utilize some of those strategies, how can they determine which one is going to be the best vehicle for them and where can they, you know, what can they be looking at to help them decide where they should start? Because as you're starting out, you can't capture all 21 at one time, but you need to start somewhere. Yeah. And full disclosure, I don't do all 21. It was just a question that came up all the time. MC, what are some of the best opportunities that have been shared on your show? So I'm like, this could be a good book. And I said it to a friend and he looked at me and he said, have you written the book yet? And I said, no. He's like, you should. That should be a good, that would be a good one. It's like, I will buy that and I'm a tough sell. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll have to write the book then. But here's what I will share with your listeners. Uh, start with yourself. 
what you know, what you're good at, what your risk tolerances is, what your investor sort of your quote unquote DNA is, who you are. Because there's some folks, for example, that like things that move a little bit slower as opposed to things that move a lot faster. By the way, you could start with one and transition to another. I did. I like things that move slow that I can see coming. Real estate, you know, real estate, the real estate market is like a big oil tanker. You know, when it turns, it turns very slowly. And you could kind of see, oh, the tanker starting to turn. And then you can position yourself for it. And life insurance is the same way where the, the ultra wealthy and corporations and banks keep and warehouse capital. Two asset classes that fit my investor DNA at that time. And as I progressed on my journey eventually and controlled my emotions, became a better, yeah, just became a better investor and became more in command of myself, my emotions, my temper, all that kind of stuff. Then I got into crypto. So for most folks, and we share a very, very conservative crypto strategy in there, but crypto markets are speculative. So for most folks, they would get in there and they would have a panic attack if they see a portfolio fall 50 to 60%. I don't because, and it took me a long time to get there, but from a cash flow standpoint, think of who you are, your investor DNA, and then the environment. So all of these investments are very good at certain parts of the market cycle. You know, there's economic cycles, there's market cycles, there's empire cycles, there's all these different generational cycles. Um, there's different cycles to be aware of. Um, look at what's where we are at and then what's going on in the economy. Some assets are very, very good in an inflationary environment too. Some are great for cash flow, great for capital growth, and great for taxes, all three of them. Some are just good for cash flow. Some are just good for taxes with a little bit less cash flow. Some are just good, maybe more for capital appreciation than cash flow. So what do you want? What's your goals? You know, I state that my goal was to replace my income. That's how I started. So I wanted not necessarily the capital growth, but the cash flow. And then as my cash flow and my income started to go up, taxes became a big driver of my decision-making too. So then I was looking for cash flow. I was looking for taxes and then eventually for capital appreciation as I wanted to refi stuff. So be very, 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 very specific of what you want to do and obviously aware of the environment. Right now, we're in an inflationary environment. So you want to look at are there assets, assets that are going to hold their value and have their income increase, the cash flow that it kicks off. So for example, real estate is a very good hedge in a inflationary environment because you can raise rents. And then, of course, you can increase the value of the property when you increase the rents. So, and of course, it's one of the best, best tax strategies. So it does all three. So that's what I would advise folks. And that's, I kept it very, very nice and sweet and short every niche, because I just wanted to share with folks what's available. Then they need to figure out who they are, what their goals are, what environment we're in, because you know, this book was written last year, five years from now, the world might look a little bit different. So you might different decisions at that time. But I just wanted it to pique the interest of people and get them started on their journey and motivate them, inspire them to take that first step. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. 
Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So as you've also developed your different personal strategies, and as you've been interviewing these other people who have utilized so many different types of strategies and have been very successful in there, what has been a challenge or maybe a mistake that they have learned along the way that we as listeners can apply to ourselves so that we are not making those types of mistakes as we're looking for different ways to create cash flow? You don't have to know it all yourself. So you need a knowledge base and you need to understand what you invest in. And of course, all the risks that involve besides all the reasons why you would want to invest in that, you know, all of the basic stuff, the fundamental stuff you need to have down. But what I've learned is, and I, like I said, I started as a rugged individualist. What I learned is I don't need to have all the answers. I need to have folks on my team and advisors that I know, like, and trust that have the answers. And that's why it's a different mindset switch. Because sometimes, and and maybe some of your listeners can relate, we would just want to figure things out ourselves and do it ourselves, right? Solopreneurs. If you go, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. What I've learned is from these folks is they all started there. It's like a journey. Everybody starts there. But eventually there's a light bulb switch that, man, there's no way I can possibly know everything that there is to know on the legal standpoint, on the tax standpoint. I need to have the fundamental knowledge down in all those areas to be a good investor, but I don't need to get into the weeds and have all the details down. I will find someone that's really good that can assist me. And even the cost that I'm paying them, like a tax advisor, it's an I see it as an investment. That's another switch. That's This is how the ultra wealthy think where most people say, oh, I got to pay you know, for my my CPA, or I got to pay my lawyer. They they kind of see it as, oh, it's an expense. It's not an expense. Trust me. I look at it as an investment because the money that I'm paying my tax advisor, there's a multiple of a return on that. The money that I'm paying my lawyer, there's a multiple on the return on that that I'm not even aware of. When you will become aware of that is if you haven't paid someone and don't have that team player and you get sued or something goes bad, then you'll figure out how much that really costs you. So I look at it, those are the mistakes I think that people make. Rugged individualism, you don't have to do it yourself. Build a team. And then also the mindset shift of building your team is an investment. It's not an expense having these folks around. And then also, you know, another thing that I would also learn is trust your own um, your own paradigm, your, your worldview, your framework, and your models. Most of them are contrarians, by the way. I have always sort of been a contrarian because I look at things differently, but now I really am. When everybody's doing one thing, chances are if you're on the opposite side of that, the probability of outcome, a positive outcome for you is very high. So I've applied that in all areas of my life. If everybody's doing one thing, I usually do the opposite thing. And it's worked out okay. 
So I would say be a car, especially in markets today, and especially in media today. There's so much misinformation. It's so misguided. There's agendas and driven by narratives in the media, in all areas of our life. People just think when it comes to financial news, there's no agenda or narratives. Of course there is. So just be aware of that. Be the contrarian. Think for yourself. Trust your own judgment. So when you made the shift into thinking about more of cash flow and creating those different streams of income for yourself and looking for different strategies and learning from the best of the best, how did that impact your life and from where it could have been if you know you didn't go down this path? You know, I would have to say the certainty that it provides. It's funny. I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and we were talking about, and I was sharing with them, today you need more than one income stream. And this will be one of the biggest takeaways, I think, for your listeners. If you're only dependent on one income source, it's impossible to be a free person because that income source that you're lying on, the person that is in charge of that, or even if it's an investment, they can all of a sudden demand certain things of you that's not aligned with your values or your worldview and so forth. And all of a sudden, now you have to make very hard decisions. We've already seen that in the world over the past two years. But if you have eight or nine or 10 different streams of income, cash flow coming in, well, if one or two of them go away, it doesn't really matter because you've still got the other ones. So number one, it positions you to be have certainty because you have so many different sources of income. Number two, you're truly a free human then. You're out of the rat race. You're done with that. Yeah, I mean, you do what you want. <laughs> There's no boss to report. You, No one owns and controls you at that stage. So you can do what you want, live your life how you choose, and then also spend your time, which is our biggest. How precious is that, right? So you have freedom of time. You have freedom of money. You have freedom of uh, relationships. You don't have to have a relationship with someone because you're forced to. You have freedom of purpose. You can work on the things that are cool and exciting and that excite you. You don't have to do something just to do it because you're dependent on income by doing that. So that's been the really the big shift. I mean, I just work on the things that I'm passionate about with people that I know, like, and trust and that I enjoy doing things with. And then I get to spend my time as I choose. So yeah, it's a different mindset. It's a switch, but you're truly, truly free and enjoying freedom when you live in that world, because regardless of what you do, income's coming in every single month that you can live off on and yet you can do other all the other things that you enjoy doing. Yeah, it's so interesting because in the past, people and families were able to live off of one income and they were able to sustain a large family. You know, one person could be at home with the kids or doing something else. But in today's world, it's very difficult to survive even off of two incomes. And so to be able to create other streams of income for yourselves, just as another layer of protection in case something happens, you know, it's kind of the environment that we are in today now. Yes. And you just hit the nail on the head. You have to understand the money guy. And this is what all the cash flow ninjas, the folks that are really at the top of the game. They know the money game and they understand what's going on. So to understand the money game, you need to understand what money is. It's a medium of exchange and a representation of value. It has no intrinsic value in its shape or form. Fiat currencies don't have any 
uh, value. It's just a value we give them. It's a medium of exchange, and it represents some value that was generated. You have to understand economics, how an economy works and functions. Uh, so you understand that when central banks, which is in charge, charge of the monetary policy, expand the money supply and the currency, it's really not money, it's fiat currencies. When they expand that, then all of a sudden, there's more money circulating in the economy. And, and through fractional reserve banking, which is a whole podcast, the banks expand the currency supply even more when it goes through the commercial banks from the Federal Reserve. Now there's more and more currency units chasing the same goods and services. So what happens? Well, money gets devalued. It loses its value. Since 1913, it's lost 96% of its value. <laughs> so one dollar <laughs> was one dollar in 1913. It's now four cents at the time of recording. So when you look at that, you go, well, how do I play this game of money in this environment? And you look at what the best investors do, what corporations do, what family offices do is they understand that when the currency supply expanded, they try to get to the trough first and get the newly created currency units first. And we saw this in 2020. All of all the corporations and banks, they got the money first. And what do they do with it? Well, they position it in hard assets. They position it in, in assets such as real estate and businesses and even cryptocurrencies at that point, um, because there's a limited supply, let's just say, of Bitcoin. So it's a hedge against uh, that environment. So they position it in that. It's the first thing that they do. And then, of course, the money then goes through the rest of the economy. While corporations have to pay people, their salaries be paid. So it goes from, I would say, the wealth class at the top tier, which is banks, corporations, family offices, wealthy investors, and so forth. It goes then to the middle class, which then, what do they do with it? Maybe they buy a house. Maybe they buy some other uh, things such as cars. They try to buy off student loans and so forth. Uh, and then it filters down to the folks at the bottom of the economic run. By the time the money gets to the folks at the, the bottom part of the economic run, they see, they just realize what has happened. So how do they, and we call that price inflation. And that's the price of their clothes, their food, their rent, and so forth. But there was another type of inflation in play, asset inflation. So the folks that got it first in position in an asset saw the value of their assets increased. So their real estate has gone up. By the way, they benefit also from price inflation because it could raise the prices of their business products or services. So they get to benefit from asset inflation because the things that they own all go up. The middle class sort of gets squeezed, right? Mm -hmm. Because yes, maybe they have a stock portfolio where a lot of money was going, you know, in 401ks and IRAs, and maybe they have a house, but their income stayed the same. And if it went up, it barely kept up with inflation. So they're still making the same amount of money in this area where the prices of everything has gone up and the ultra wealthy, the rich truly benefited it. The middle class is pinch squeeze. Yes, they have more money in their house now, maybe. Yes, they have more money in their retirement accounts. But the folks at the bottom rung really got squeezed. And by the way, you saw this. Exactly what I just shared with you in 2020 was like a case study. Because there were more millionaires and billionaires created than ever and over the past two years because folks did that. The ultra wealthy and the wealth has been concentrated even more at the top. 
where the middle class is being hollowed out. And of course, the folks on the lowest rung really, really are going through hard times. This will continue to go on, by the way. So for investors, and that's why I was so passionate about the book and getting the book out and to share this with folks is, you know, you need to understand what's going on. You need to know the money game, play it right, position yourself, learn about niches, invest in hard assets, have more than one income stream, because this is what all of the ultra wealthy and the rich are doing. And they're having the greatest times of their lives where everyone else is sort of struggling. So you get to choose how you play the game is how I look at it. So what are you most excited about next? I am very excited about helping as many people as possible capitalize on economic opportunities because we are going through an incredible time. I don't think people realize what we're going through because it's not really talked about so much. We are now living through, I would say, a once in a multi-generational event. And what do I mean by that? There's a book called The Fourth Turning, which explains this perfectly, where there's essentially four seasons for every a couple of generations. If you look at the US, approximately 80 years ago, you had the you had the Second World War. And 80 years before that, you had the Civil War. And 80 years approximately, give or take in that time frame, you had the a war for independence. So that's one thing. There's a cycle to this generational cycle. There's a cycle to empires. We could see the trance of global power more from the US to more to the East. That's another thing thing that's happening. Money, you know, we're in the process of, we have had a monetary system for 50 years. It was the birthday, I believe, last year. So uh, what is it? August 15, 1971, Richard Nixon took the world off the gold standard, essentially, closed the gold window, which changed the money system to make all money currencies and just fiat currencies backed by nothing. Every 30 to 40 years, the monetary system globally has changed. We are now basically entering this new changing uh, era. And folks have talked about the Great Reset, the Fourth Industrial Revolution. We're going to see technology like we've never seen before. AI, robotics, uh, driverless vehicles, electric vehicles, all these things, which is just going to completely uh, blindside a lot of folks and make a lot of things that I would say industries and jobs where folks are employed and obsolete, just like the internet did you know, in the early 2000s. So it's nothing that we haven't seen before, but it's just with all these other forces. So why am I sharing this? There's massive change coming, massive disruption. It's chaos. It's going to be very choppy. But again, when you have all of these disruptions and chaos and turbulent times and changing, there's incredible opportunity. And this is where fortunes are made. This, if you look at history, every single time during chaotic times, during chaos, during turbulence, all these things coming together, there's been a massive transfer of wealth for folks that didn't just stick their head in the sand or hide because they're afraid of everything that they're seeing, but they were bold. Uh, they saw what was happening. They saw the opportunities and they capitalized on it. Just think of what happened during 2008, which I believe the crisis that we're going to have here in many different parts is going to dwarf actually what happened. It's going to be much bigger rather than what happened in 2008. Just think of all the companies that we take for granted today that didn't even exist. Airbnb, (laughs) right? Uh, Uber, all these companies. So those were folks that said, whoa, this is crazy. This economy just crashed. The housing market just crashed. 
We've got a lot of folks that are unemployed. The economy is terrible. And they're like, well, let's start the sharing economy. And now all of a sudden it's grown into what it's grown into. So I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited to share what we share, like we have, you know, especially since 2020 with, with people of what they can do to position themselves, how to create strategies, how to position their portfolio to capitalize on all these opportunities. Because we're living through, in my worldview, the greatest transfer of wealth in human history. We're in the process of it. And I said this in 2020 and folks said, okay, that's a little hyperbolic. And then the numbers came out from all mm-hmm. of the billionaires and millionaires over the past 24 months. And folks are like, wow, like people are making fortunes now. How did they do it? What did they do? So we're studying what folks are doing as it's happening. And that's what I'm very passionate about. And that's what I'm very excited about is, is helping folks and sharing with as many folks as we can, because yeah, it could be a very, very hard time for folks. And maybe it is for some folks listening to this, or it could be a time of enormous opportunity. MC, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise and your vision of the world and what's going to be happening in this space. Because you're right, there is a lot of change that we are seeing right now. When we need to take action, it's it needs to be educated at the same time. And so we just need to be aware of what's going on and really pay attention because it could be a great opportunity, but really educate yourself and surround yourselves, like you said, with the people who are already doing it, leverage off of them as well and see what the wealthy are doing as well. And so we can capitalize on that as well for our, our own selves. Absolutely. And, and I'll just share with you an example. There's already someone that is teaching people how to invest in very unsexy businesses, because what an opportunity this is. So a lot of the trades have been neglected in our society as a whole, because we put such an emphasis just on go to school, get good grades, go to college, and trades have been neglected. So there were so few people going into trades. Well, what's happening just in the US? Older cities. You go to a big city here, it's all older cities. So what happens in older cities? plumbing, electricity wires, all that stuff is old. So there's a lot of great opportunities just in that space already. I see folks that have bought companies and businesses and they've been busier than ever. So it's like little things like this that you're like, oh, what's going on? Where's opportunity? So there's an opportunity that you can spot that. But yeah, I'm very excited about the opportunities that lies ahead for investors that can control their emotions, stay calm, have a cool head, and re- recognize all the opportunities. So appreciate you having me on and on the show. And this has been this has been a great conversation. Awesome, MC. And so if our listeners also wanted to find out more about the strategies that you're teaching here with Cashflow and the 21 Cashflow niches that they're able to learn from, where's the best place that they can go? Cashflowninja.com. And the book is available on Amazon, or you can buy it through cashflowninja.com. But if any of your listeners buy a copy of the book, please screenshot a copy of the receipt and send it to my team at info at cashflowninja.com. And we'll give you access to a digital version of the book, an audio version of the book for some people that like to listen to books and drive, and a curated library of folks discussing these 21 niches. So you don't have to listen to 800 plus episodes to find the 21 best cashflow niches. You can just listen. We'll give, we curated that for you. And there's more bonus goodies. So you could buy it on Amazon. It's a 21 based cash flow. It's just creating wealth and the best alternative cash flow investments or just at cashflowninja.com. And 
Everything that we do is at cashflowenergy.com. We're going to put a ton of value in our newsletter too. We share a cash flow strategy every week that might change someone's life. So everything's at cashflowenergy.com. Awesome. Thank you so much again, MC. I really appreciate everything you shared with us today. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.